Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we will get into the world stage. This is episode uh, podcast number two, the world stage, but really our first episode where we are going to look at a particular movie this evening is going to be about Les Miserables and as Father Mike was with me last week, he is here this week, and he will be with me every Wednesday to talk <laughs> the stuff of the world stage. So, Father Mike, great to have you with me another evening. Thanks, Joe. So, Father Mike, Les Miserables, you can hear it in the title, mm-hmm. Ha Miserables. Uh, if you were to look at the word mercy in the Latin, misere cordia, uh, misery and heart, Yeah. right? So, uh, what is mercy? But to have a heart for another person who is in misery, yeah. to be gripped by another person's suffering, and ultimately to do something about it. In so many ways, Les Miserables is about that. But to really understand mercy, you have to tap into that virtue of justice. And Les Miserables provides for us the context to be able to really engage mercy, mercy in light of justice, uh, mercy in light of what it means to give each their due within the context of the larger Paschal mystery and Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Movies are going to be an opportunity, a kind of prism, so as to better understand uh, who we are before God as we follow these storylines. Um, so Les Miserables is going to be a, a very important storyline for us to reflect with so that we might have things to think about as we leave this evening in how to become the best version of who God is calling us to be. Yeah. And so this is ultimately what, just not tonight's about, but again, the larger, really, mission and objective of each and every Wednesday evening. As you mentioned, Joe, this really is such a, a rich and a long story, so I'm going to try to walk us through the plot of it just in a skeleton way so we can get into the... the See, the and we have, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> just 25 minutes. How do you do this? Right. And so this is a story that's set in the context of the French Revolution, and I think the best way to track it is to kind of walk with two of the, of the main characters. And the, the story opens out with a prisoner, uh, Jean Valjean, who is finishing up a 19-year sentence in prison for having stolen a loaf of bread yeah. <laughs> to feed his sister's son. And 19 years in jail, and it, it opens with this powerful dialogue and, uh, with, a, with the police inspector by the name of Javert. He's kind of overseeing the prisoners, and throughout the movie, he's going to represent harsh, unfiltered justice, the, the, the unrelenting pursuit of the law. And the movie begins, uh, Jean Valjean is being set free from prison after 19 years and Javert, this personification of the of the law of justice, says to him, um, to setting you free, he takes the handcuffs off, but this is not setting you off to a life of freedom. It's a life of parole, a life of shame. You'll always be a slave to the law. So Jean Valjean, he, he goes off, he tries to find a place to stay for the night, but he has trouble. Nobody wants him because of this badge of shame. Uh, a kindly priest takes him in mm. to his, his home, gives him a meal, offers him a place to stay so that he might rest from, 
from pain and from wrong, we're mm. told. In the middle of the night, Javert being bitter at the world, being angry, untrusting, he says, I will not forgive. He goes through the house and gathers up all the silver he can find to steal it, takes off in the middle of the night. Of course, in the morning, the authorities catch him and bring him back to the bishop's house. And they say, this man claimed that you gave him the silver. And the bishop, in an act of, of pure grace and mercy, says to him, that's right, I did give it to him. He says to him, but my son, you left the best part behind. Mm. And he takes two beautiful candlesticks uh, from his dining room table and, and gives it to him. He says, I, I have saved your life for God. Uh, you're my brother. Now you have to take this silver to become an honest man. And Javert, in a beautiful, uh, um, Jean Valjean, in a beautiful soliloquy, this prisoner, he's so overwhelmed by the sheer act of grace that he makes a vow. I am going to become an honest man. Mm-hmm. He breaks parole, and he, he becomes very wealthy. He becomes the mayor of a town anonymously. He uh, owns a factory, and one of his young female workers, she, she gets expelled from the factory. She gets lost in prostitution, and uh, Jean Valjean, now trying to be the honest and just man, he tries to help her. She dies of tuberculosis, and he makes a vow before she dies that her daughter will grow up with his protection. So he, he raises her... Um, very much as as his own daughter. Uh, the years go on, and and uh, this French Revolution is kind of reaching a boiling point, and so you have a lot of uh, young men, students that are about ready to throw this uh, this uh, this revolution. They they put up barricades in the city, and they fight essentially to the death on the streets. And mm-hmm. every last one of them is uh, is killed in the fight, except for the love interest of his would be daughter, uh, whom he saves. Uh, in the meantime. Um, uh, Javert, this personification of the law, the, the police inspector who has pursued him relentlessly, hides behind enemy lines, and, and, and Valjean has the opportunity to kill him, but he lets him go as an act of mercy. And this is so perturbing for the mm-hmm. police that he can't get his head around it. And he says, if I find you again, I'm still going to get you. The, the story kind of ends uh, as um, Valjean is, is saving this young man from the fight through the gutter. He runs into the police officer again, and he asks for mercy. Uh, mercy becomes kind of the world in which Valjean inhabits. This strict personification of the law, Javert, the police inspector, he doesn't know what to do with that. He can't deal with this tension between justice and mercy, and he ends up throwing himself off the building. Yeah, That, that really is where uh, this a kind of storyline between the two characters comes to an end, and we have this exposition of the tension. Mm-hmm. So if that's the arc, I would zoom in and... and look at, I guess, two very important encounters that we can unpack. One is the apparent freedom, the, the, the coming out of prison, which is when the police justice has been served, the handcuffs come off. And the second encounter is this encounter with mercy, pure grace at the hands of the priest, mm. where he is really set free and his life becomes uh, a life of justice, a, a life in which he dedicates himself to being an honest man. Yeah, and I like the way, Father Mike, you were talking about it before we came on air. Ungraced justice mm-hmm. and grace justice. The ungraced justice is that punitive loosening of the change, and the graced justice is, of course, that encounter you talked about between Monsignor Muriel and mm-hmm. uh, Jean Valjean. I do want to go back to that initial encounter, both in the reading and in the movie. Uh, by the way, Father Mike Ritter and I 
got out some popcorn. <laughs> we did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And we started to watch some of the movie, but we got about 20-some minutes in, and we both have watched the movie before. <laughs> We're like, there's so much to talk about, right? Um, yeah, I was trying to talk, and Joe says, can we just watch it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got popcorn here for a reason. No. So that first encounter was gripping for me between Javert, the inspector Javert there, and Jean Valjean, because... There was this sense of, well, what does the inspector say? I am the law, and the law is not mocked. This is justice, and this is what justice looks without mercy, which is cruelty. Yeah, right? and the men are singing as this is happening. You're standing yeah. in your grave. You will yes. always be a slave to the law. Yeah, and one of the things that this scene really captures is Jean Valjean's shame. Shame, I mean, he stole a loaf of bread a loaf of bread, and his intentions were good. And he, he is sent off to prison for 19 years. One can only imagine what he was going through. 19 years later, there he is in utter shame. And what is shame? Shame is that feeling that we receive when our conscience has accused us of immoral behavior. That sense about us that I think Father Mike leaves us feeling less than human. That's what that scene captured. He, he was feeling less than human. And yet, we move on to the next scene, out from that kind of punitive justice to what? But this encounter with mercy. And so you have this encounter of man's worst in his shame for what he just did with man's best in the Monsignor Muriel's gift of mercy. The the light, the candlelight, of course, representing the light piercing the darkness, the darkness of the heart, the darkness that the inspector embodied. So we have this rich reflection where, where we are made to see within the larger context of God that our worst in our sin meets God's best in his mercy. And he shows us that we are better than our worst, right? Mercy, you know, Father Mike, reaches out to, to those who are most in need. The Father's love always goes where it is most in need. I am a father. If my children are in trouble, I will run to them. This is what God the Father does. This is what we, of course, see in the narrative of the prodigal son. This is what the uh, bishop, Monsignor Muriel, is personifying, embodying in this gift of mercy. You know, the, and there's such a rich image in the film, and that is that uh, Javert always refers to Jean Valjean by his prison number. Mm. You know, that he is, yes. in a sense, the crime he's committed. That becomes his identity. And the, the turning point, maybe the heart of the conversion for Valjean is when the, uh, the priest, the bishop, calls him a brother. Mm. Uh, he's no longer a number. Mm. He's no longer his criminal history, his rap sheet. Mm. Yeah, so often today, Father Mike, so many of us are caught up in what we do, and we, we never really focus on who we are. And in the process of focusing on what we do, we find our identity in what we do, huh? as opposed to who we are, who we are as a son or daughter of God. And ultimately, what we do is kind of like becoming that number. You know, we are referred to no longer as Joe or Father Mike, but as an athlete or as a musician, where there's a focus on the doing, not the being. 
and I don't know how many times I've said it, but we're not called human doings, but human beings, right? So as you were just speaking to uh, Jean Valjean, discovering who he is in his identity once he is called brother, this too is where we discover our identity. When we are called by our name and we come to realize that in our name, we belong to God. Joe Holcraft, I am a son of God. That is our identity. So that when what we do is taken away from us, we don't lose our sense of purpose in life. And so you have um, in, in these two rich characters, Javert and the bishop, in, in the bishop, the priest, you have the personification of pure, uncalculating, reckless mercy. And in the person of Javert, the police inspector, you have this relentless pursuit of justice and the law. And um, this really does, I think, this storyline breaks open the tension of our lives for us as religious people, as just people. The, the story asks the question, with these uh, uh, apparently com- uh, competing concepts, how can we speak of what it means to be a just person? Yeah. You know, I, you know the, the, the figure of Javert, he's so stern and he's just uh, relentless in his pursuit. And those who fall, he says, they... They must fall like Lucifer fell. They fall on the flame. They fall on the sword. There is no mercy. It's an ungraced justice. And, and Jesus himself is, is absolutely against that. I, I can't help but think of the uh, story of the adulterous woman. Jesus has an encounter with somebody who uh, absolutely is guilty, uh, something much worse than stealing a piece of bread. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and, and Jesus asks, everybody's gathered to stone this woman and... and they say, Master, what do you do? Moses commanded us to, to stone such a person. And Jesus' response is brilliant. It says, he wrote on the ground with his finger, and he said, let the one without sin cast the first stone. One by one, everybody leaves. I came across a great uh, exploration in this text, a great commentary, which pointed out that God himself was the one who writes with his finger when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Those tablets were written with the finger of God. And he points out that Moses, in a sense, was the first to break God's commandments because when he came down the mountain, he saw everybody worshiping the golden calf and he broke the tablets and he threw them at the people. Moses has to go back up the mountain and get the tablets written for him again and come back down. But the point being, Moses, you can't stone people with the law. Yeah. So here's the brilliance of this encounter with the adulterous woman. Jesus writes with his finger in the hand, uh, uh, in the ground and then he asked the people, what did Moses tell you? And and the meaning there being justice is not about hitting people with the law. Uh, This relentless pursuit of Javert, which can only lead to to shame and to kind of paralysis. The the first words of the play, the musical, look down, Mm -hmm. be ashamed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, We we see something very different in this this personification of mercy as... uh, in the, the generosity, the goodness of the person of the priest, the bishop. Ultimately, what Bishop Muriel is exercising here is God's rahamim in the Hebrew. Now, there are two Hebrew words in the Old Testament for mercy. The first is rahamim, God's tenderness, God's gentleness. Uh, rahamim uh, literally translates as to the abdominal region, uh, God's affectionate love. The hased is God's blood bond of love, the the faithful love, right? So there is something else here I wanted to speak to, and, and it came to mind as you were speaking to the adulterous woman. Mercy has a twofold purpose, mm-hmm. right? It is an instrument of forgiveness that provides grace for change, but also a change that leads to a radical new lifestyle. Absolutely. And this is what we see 
in Jean Valjean, right? This, you said it. Uh, mercy now is the new world that he lives in. And this is the crisis for Javert because his recurring chorus is a criminal doesn't change. You know, you're, you're always kind of this fugitive on the run. But mercy allows for uh, this transformation by which the forgiven one becomes a forgiver and a merciful one himself. And the, the ungraced uh, justice can't get there. Yeah. I hear when uh, Monsignor Muriel, Bishop Muriel, says to Jean Valjean, uh, now take this gift and be an honest man. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Lord say to the adulterment, sin no more. Yeah. You know, become the person that you were intended to be. Yeah. You spoke of, uh, to step back, you spoke of hesed as a, as a word for mercy. Yes. And it really has this kind of familial context, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, justice is uh, you, you owe $200 to your bank. That $200 must be paid. That's Javert. That's justice. Yeah. But Hesed is, you know, within the family, you know, don't worry about it. You owe me, you know, it's okay. That somehow uh, the relationship overcomes the, the strict demands of ungraced justice. Yeah. And it's faithful. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, uh, it's that expression of mercy that says, I will always be with you. And this is exactly the point, faithfulness, because Javert, in that moment when he receives that gift of forgiveness, what does he do? He makes a vow. Yeah. He makes a vow. I'm going to be, in a sense, uh, a just man uh, in, in this order of mercy. Yeah. And then he offers a powerful lament. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the movie and in the script, it, it shifts to this lament where he goes before the crucifix, and he says, you have touched me, and now you have taught me. Yeah. I thought, man, that's powerful. You have touched me, and now you have taught me. How can you not think of the hemorrhaging woman, yeah, you know, who yeah. touches Jesus? And, you know, for what was it, 27 years, mm-hmm. all of these great doctors were trying to help her, and they, they couldn't figure it out. And yet the divine physician touches her. And, and when you put this in the context of, again, Jean Valjean and his lament, he has been touched, mm-hmm. and now he is healed, and he lives in this new world. And this is kind of Paul's great insight when he speaks of uh, slavery to the law. You know, we, we very much see this with Javert that, that somehow uh, real freedom uh, has something to do with relationship, with the person of Jesus' relationship with one another. Mm. You, we had talked about, I guess this opens up for us, we, we have the contrast, uh, the justice, ungraced justice we've called it, and mercy, uncalculating tender mercy. The question becomes, in between these two poles, then what is the just man? How does, how does he walk with God? You, you spoke of righteousness in terms of posture. Yeah, so when you go into sacred scripture and you see the word just, in particular to the Old Testament Joseph and the New Testament Joseph, you have a word that means upright. Mm. This sense of rising up, it's, it's an action that is preceded by faith, a conviction, resolve. Mm. But faith, conviction, resolve for what, Father Mike? A new way of life, and then one that is steady. So the just man is one who is deeply convicted, deeply resolved to continue to remain upright. And it is, I I, I once asked my professor a question in Oxford. I say, what's the big deal with just? I mean, hey, we're dealing with the only man that at least to my knowledge, the Old Testament didn't sin, right? Mm. <laughs> at least not recorded the Old Testament, Joseph. And then, of course, he's only the, the foster father to Jesus. What's the deal with just? He says, this, Joe, is arguably the most expressive descriptor uh, to a man of holiness mm. because 
that posture of uprightness is a posture of holiness. It is a posture of conviction. It is a posture of resolve, but one that is always gentle, one that is always generous, one that is always mindful of, of the person around you. You are up. You are aware. Yeah. You, your head is not down. Yeah. You, you see everything that is going on. It's like, that's it. That's it. He is aware yeah. of everyone around him, which includes the very gift that, that uh, he is sharing in uh, with God himself. So this ties into kind of a musical motif that runs from the very first line to the very end. And that is, the, the movie opens up the first scene and the prisoners are singing, look down, you're standing in your grave, you'll always yeah. be a slave. And of course, they're looking down because the law, justice, Javert is towering over them, supervising their work. The, the kind of punitive justice that we tend to gravitate towards as people is always going to be enslaving. It doesn't lead to freedom. We say somebody committed the crime, they got the sentence, justice has been served. Yeah. But certainly for Jesus and certainly for uh, Les Miserables, that's, that's not an authentic, it's an ungraced justice. In the middle of the movie now uh, in Paris, this musical motif returns, and now it's the poor who are singing to the upper class, look down, see us in our misery, have a heart for the miserable. I think of the psalm, the just man, what does he do? He's generous and he lends. Lends, yeah. And so what, what does the just man do? He's not the rigorous adherent to the law. He's the generous one, the one who has a, a rich, who's rich in empathy, tenderness. The uh, crowning achievement of the just man comes at the end. This motif returns one last time. Look down. And now uh, Jean Valjean is calling on Javert, who's blocking his way. He's going to stop him from saving this young, dying man. And he says, have mercy. Look down. He's standing in his grave. The crowning achievement of justice is not punitive. It's not punishment. It's mercy. Mm -hmm. uh, Javert is unable to do it, and so he's unable to look down in mercy, and so he throws himself down. He says, I'm not able to live in a world like this. Mm. Uh, what does the just man do? He's, he's not one who satisfies punishment. He's not one who simply is uh, a strict legal adherent, but one who is generous and one who looks on others with compassion. Mm. Uh, justice and mercy in the end are married together. Mm -hmm. As as the psalm says, they kiss, right? Yeah. And a very, a very appropriate way to express, you know, the kind of affection that they share with one another. I was saying in the opening that you can't really grasp the deeper meaning of mercy without justice. Mm -hmm. you, you can't... Uh, get the depth of what we were talking about here without a deeper understanding of what it means to give each their due. We have the law, yeah, right? And, and the law has a role, yeah. right? Law is necessary, but even then it always leads to merciful love. Yeah, and the great fulfillment of the law really for, for Jesus is be compassionate yeah. as I'm compassionate, love as I love you. Yeah. These two things, uh, certainly for the Christian, are not are not opposed, although we... Uh, we tend to gravitate towards one extreme or the other. Yeah, we do. Father Mike is a father. My four kids, they, uh, they get in trouble. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> they misbehave. And from time to time, the only way I can really get their attention is uh, to give them a consequence. And the consequence gets their attention. And sometimes, quite honestly, the consequence or the punishment, okay, if you will, it hurts me more than it hurts them. Yeah. You know, especially if it means that I can no longer do certain things that I would normally do with them. I'm thinking about a recent punishment I, I gave my oldest son. We were going to go somewhere. Yeah. 
a very special place that we no longer went to because he misbehaved. Yeah. It got his attention. But what motivated me? My unyielding, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you will not mock the law? No. Yeah. Yeah. It was love. It was love. But I needed the law. I needed what was just to draw his attention back to me. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, sometimes justice plays that role. But as St. Augustine says, uh, mercy is always a certain kind of fulfillment to justice because we must understand that justice itself, too, is always rooted in love. Yeah. Merciful love. And I think that the great um, arc of the story is how an authentic justice is, as as we've we've said already, is transformative. Uh, To me, uh, two striking lines that kind of are bookends in this kind of story of the development of Jean Valjean he gets out of prison, an angry, bitter, dark, bent-over, looking-down man. And the first words he sings as he gets out of jail are essentially, let's see what this world has for me. I will not forgive. In the end, this encounter with a radical mercy, uh, he's trying to save this young man's life, and he's singing, if I must die, let me die. But if he's young, a bit, but he's young, let him live. And um, this is, I mean, the, the crux of the matter Forgive yeah. the pun. I mean, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, where justice yeah, yeah. and mercy do kiss yeah. is on the cross where Jesus, yeah. uh, the eternal one, uh, is saying, um, if I must die, let me die, but let them live. Yeah. That justice and mercy, they kiss there. And, and that's, that's the great allegory right there, looking down as he is uh, the all-merciful one. And we have to see in this story that justice to be real has to be transformative. Yeah, um, and, and uh, it's too easy to make justice punitive, mm-hmm. as yeah. it's easy to make uh, mercy about uh, a consequencelessness. Yeah. yeah, is that a word? Consequencelessness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benedict the Sixteenth once said that um, the great heresy of today is sentimentalism, mm-hmm. which is essentially mercy without justice, yeah. just that emotional yeah. indulgence. Um, that consequent. What did you say? <laughs> yeah, consequencelessness. But you know, mercy here, and then maybe this is a good way to to cap it off. Mercy here is not a feeling. It it, it is a concrete action by which Alvere tries to save this woman, tries to raise a daughter, saves this man from death, uh, confronts injustice. Uh, so so mercy is having a heart for the misery of others and not feeling it, but acting, mm-hmm. acting mm-hmm. with justice, mm-hmm. acting with mercy acting generously and graciously. We're not talking about sentimentalism. We're talking about really getting invested in the plight of others' misery and teaching them not to look down, but to look up. Yeah. Blessed are those who mourn. Hmm. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who weep for others when they have lost a loved one. Yes. But blessed are those who uh, grieve man's earthly plight and journeys with them. Yeah, God says that I don't wish the sinner to die, but that he might have life. So as we Amen. look at justice, as we look at our exercise of the law, as we look at mercy, we have to ask ourselves, is this leading to life? And I think this might be our closing question. I think so too. So this is a great film. Get out there and watch it if you haven't and um, explore the, the richness of these themes that point directly to Jesus and the gospel. Amen. And Father Mike, before I leave, I have to make an executive decision. Let's do it. Because we have to announce the next movie we're going to make. <laughs> You're going to surprise me. God surprises. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, I think next week we're going to engage the movie Shawshank Redemption. All right. Shawshank Redemption. Cool. Um, 
I don't know if if I say an oldie but a goodie, am I dating myself? <laughs> well, you, well, I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> you will say I'm surprised along with everybody else, but I'm excited. Yeah, yes, Shawshank Redemption, because it is another very rich Christian allegory that will, to some degree, allow us to continue uh, this conversation with its own context, for sure. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we just uh, give you special thanks and praise for the gift of this time we have, uh, this time we have to reflect into the richness and beauty of your faith as it comes um, through uh, those who were inspired to bring us uh, the great movie Les Miserables. Oh, Father Mike, if you can close with a blessing. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. May the God of, of justice and of grace and of mercy and of peace bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.